Hi guys, this is Fiona from IELTS Exam Training Courses and Members Academy. Today I'm going to look at a general training reading, section one, to start off with, um, because I haven't done general training for quite a while now. And before I start, just wanted to review something we've been doing on Instagram this week, which is all about conditionals. I know they cause a lot of problems. Um, I think that and present perfect cause the most problems as far as I can see. So on Instagram and Facebook, I've gone back to basics. I started with zero conditionals and examples that you can use in everyday life moving up to second conditionals and yesterday I introduced wish um, because the structures of wish act the same as the second conditional because it's imaginary. So, you know, if you said, um, if I had more money, I could buy a house. So after if comes had. So if plus past tense is the rule for a second conditionals or imaginary as they're called sometimes. So the same thing goes for when you say I wish or if only. So if only I had more money um, or if, uh, if only I could buy a house or I wish I had more money. So that's the pattern is the same. So to practice this, I took the three most common examples using I wish and there's I wish I had because people usually wish for something. Um, I wish I had a car, wish I had a brother, whatever. Um, I wish I could because it's a skill. You know, I wish I could play the piano, for example, for me. And then finally, I wrote I wish I was. Um, so that's maybe an adjective you want to change about yourself. I wish I was more confident. Um, I wish I was taller or even a noun, you know, I wish I was a teacher or a successful businesswoman, for example. So I just instinctively wrote, I wish I was, and instantly got a lot of complaints that it was wrong and that I was posting grammar that was wrong. Now, I don't mind if I've made a typo or a spelling mistake. I'm really, really grateful if people correct me. Um, but I just, why would I post grammar that was wrong? But people were sure about this grammar and they said, for example, that you should say, I wish I were taller. Yes, that's absolutely fine too. You can say, I wish I were taller. Um, I wish I were richer. I wish I were uh, more confident. That's absolutely fine too. I wish I were is slightly more formal. It's the subjunctive version and a lot of people say that that is the only correct version but I'm afraid it's not true so if you go onto Instagram today I did a lot of research on this and I do find lots of um, Google sites that very clearly say normally it's I wish I was but this is the only case where was is wrong that's absolute rubbish so I've posted at least six songs um, okay, you could say they're pop songs, they're less formal, that's fine, but they're not um, some kind of weird um, version of English. They're fully perfect English sentences. So there's one very funny video, a man saying, I wish I was taller because he wants to be a baseball player. Um, there's a lady that says, I wish I was a punk rocker. 
um, with flowers in my hair. That's a quite famous song, I think. And there's even one song which is called I Wish I Was. That's it. And the whole of the lyrics go through what I wish I was. I wish I was a, a candle flame or I wish I was a tune. And if you look at the lyrics, they're all I wish I was. So, oh, and there's the final one. Is a, it's, I thought, well, maybe is it American that people think it's wrong? I don't know. But there's even a British one by the um, scouting for girls called I Wish I Was James Bond. Anyway, so go and have a look at my Instagram program, a uh, series of stories. Sorry, I'm getting a bit hysterical. I know people just got really hysterical about it. And um, I didn't even think it when I wrote it. I know what I wish I were, but is that formal? I don't know. Maybe it is. I've asked people and it's half and half. But I think as long as there's clear evidence that, you know, I found at least eight songs where I wish I was is actually in the title, then I think we can safely say that it's not wrong. That's it. Sorry. End of lecture and rant. So let's move on to um, general training, reading, section one, and it's all about a passport application. The great thing about this is how much would be guessable, because the whole set of questions are true, false and not given. So I always say use your gut instinct first and then go back to look for evidence. And what I'm going to do with these is run through them give you the statement and then give you what it says in the text. You decide before I give you the answer. Pause the listening if you want to. So, number one. A husband can fill in an application form for his wife. What would you think about that? Well, it says here, your application form must be completed in your own handwriting. This might be a little old-fashioned now, but that's what it says. It must be completed in your own handwriting. So, can your husband fill in the application form for you? No, you have to write it yourself in your own handwriting. So, number one is false. Number two, photocopies of documents are acceptable in some circumstances. So, can we use photocopies in some circumstances? What does it say? It says, you must enclose either your passport or your birth certificate. All documents must be originals. That's it. All documents must be originals. So, can you use photocopies? No. Opposite of photocopies is originals. So the answer is again false. Question number three. What do you think? An incomplete application will affect processing time. What do you think? If you miss something out, will that affect the processing time? I guess so. Let's look at the text. It says... Uh, so you go to find the processing. It's in paragraph three. So this is all in complete order. It says the processing begins from when we have received the completed application form. Applicants should expect delays if the passport office receives a form with missing information. 
So, a form with missing information is an incomplete application. Will this affect processing time? Yes, applicants should expect delays. So the answer is true. The next paragraph describes passport photos and the statement says the passport photos must be in colour. So you go to the paragraph on passport photos, it says this. Please provide two identical passport photos of yourself. Both photos must be the same in all respects and must be less than 12 months old. Did it mention colour? No, it didn't. You might guess it should be in colour, but in the text there is no mention of colour. So it is not given. Then it talks about who can be a witness, um, who has to sign your application. And question five says, a witness can be a relative of the applicant. Okay, so you might think no. So let's look for evidence. It says, ask someone who can identify you to fill in the proof of identity information and identify one of your photos. This person will be called your witness and needs to meet the following requirements. A witness must be aged 16 years or over, be contactable by phone during normal office hours and be the holder of a valid passport. That's it. Those are the requirements. Was there any mention about the relative? No, the answer is not given. Question six. Anyone acting as a witness must have a passport. We've already looked at the requirements. So let's go back and check again. Do they need to have a passport? It says... The witness must be age 16, be contactable by phone and be the holder of a valid passport. So yes, number six is true. Um, the witness must have a passport. Number seven, the passport applicant must sign their name on the back of both photos. So you go to the final part and it says... A witness must also write the full name of the person applying for the passport on the back of one of the photos. Sign their own name and date the back of the same photo. So again, just one of the photos needs to be signed. So the answer for number seven is false. Number seven said both photos, but in the text it said no, just one. And that is it. That is the first seven questions, the first half of section one. Now let's go on to look at a different text for the second text, the second half of section one. The second part of section one is called Auckland International Airport Services and there are three paragraphs and this time we're matching headings. Um, this is from book seven. I wonder if it has actually got more difficult. This doesn't seem too complicated for me um, as far as I can see. So 
hopefully let's get through it quite quickly and move on to section two. So the list of services starts, well there are ten headings and you've got seven paragraphs. Let me read the headings. So you've got departure procedures, observation area, baggage services, meeting facilities, healthcare services, flight information, currency exchange, health and safety advice, departure fees, and tourist travel centre. So they're all parts of an airport or airport services. So I thought the useful thing we could do with this is just to look at the synonyms um, to the, give us the answers. So paragraph A says the second floor of the international terminal offers a view of the airfield and all incoming and outgoing flights. There's a cafe here and a restaurant. That's it. So basically the main thing is it's the second floor and it has a view of the airfield. So that gives us answer number two, observation area. Okay, so maybe it looks simple, but maybe it's not that simple because of the synonym. So observation area is the heading for the paragraph about a view of the airfield. I think there are quite a few tricks here, so we'll look at those later. Paragraph B says we're open for all international flights and provide a comprehensive service for visitors to the city. So this paragraph B is all about what they do for the visitors. It says there are brochures and a booking service for accommodation and transport. Shuttle buses to the city are provided. So the answer there is number 10x. It is a tourist travel centre. Again, not completely obvious, not immediately obvious anyway, because there's a lot of information in that paragraph. Um, but they all, um, they're, they're all designed to help visitors to the city. So paragraph B is a tourist travel centre. Paragraph C talks about passengers who require urgent medical attention should dial 8977. The airport pharmacy is located on the ground floor and stocks a comprehensive range of products. So again, they're talking about what you should do in a medical emergency, but there's also a pharmacy on the ground floor. So that is then number five, V, and it's health care services, which again isn't exactly obvious just because there's a pharmacy there. It might not be clear that it's health care services, but I guess they also mention, um, you know, that you can get medical attention and you can buy a range of products in the pharmacy. So C is healthcare services. D, departing passengers can completely seal their luggage or packages in recyclable polythene to protect them from damage. Luggage storage charged at $10 per hour is available on the first floor Transit pans passengers have free access to storage facilities. So the key thing that's mentioned there, the first of all, is that they can put their luggage in plastic to protect them. There's luggage storage, $10, and free access to storage facilities. So those three things add up to uh, baggage 
services. That's number three, baggage services. Paragraph E, every international passenger, with the exception of children under 12 years of age and transit passengers in Auckland for less than 24 hours, is required to make a payment of $25 when leaving the country. This can be arranged at the National Bank on the ground floor. So, pretty simple here. They're talking about paying $25 when you leave and you have to pay that in the bank. So that gives us the answer. Departure fees. Number nine, departure fees. Because the main message is how you pay this $25. Possibly one trick there might be the heading currency exchange because money is mentioned but it's not talking about currency exchange. In question F it says as Auckland International Airport has adopted the quiet airport concept there are usually no announcements made over the public address system. Details of all arrivals and departures are displayed on the monitors located in the terminal halls and lounge areas. Um, so this is talking about it's a quiet airport um, and therefore how do you get your information? Well. Um, there's no public address system. You get the information on the monitors in the halls and lounge areas. Which means that the answer for that is number six, flight information. Um, again, maybe not totally obvious from that paragraph, but it's flight information. I think there's a danger you might get um, distracted by this in introduction you know that it's a quiet airport and there are no announcements but you still have to get your flight information in paragraph g it says the airport caters for the needs of business travelers and has several rooms available for seminars or business gatherings these are located next to the airport medical center on the first floor for information and bookings, contact the airport business manager, blah, 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 extension 5294. So the final one, believe it, he keeps talking about business, available for seminars, business gatherings, um, contact the business manager. But the answer is actually meeting facilities because you can meet other business travellers for seminars or business gatherings. So the answer there is four IV meeting facilities. The trick there possibly could be that they're next to the medical centre. So you might think, well, this is healthcare service. No. Um, and health and safety advice is the other one that is not used. Um, that's number eight is not used, looks like a trick. And the other final one that's not used is called departure procedures. I think that could be trick there for paragraph E when it says you have to pay $25 when you leave the country. But of course, departure procedures means how do you get to the gate and stuff like that. So nothing too tricky there, but I think it's a certain style that is worth um, mastering. Um, you know, it's not stated very clearly 
and the synonyms I think are quite vague. For example, a view of the airfield doesn't really give you the synonym for observation area. You have to kind of put two and two together and use your common sense, I guess, for a lot of these. All right, so that was section one. Um, I'll now move on to section two. Um, It may be in a separate podcast. We'll see. Okay, thanks for listening today. Bye-bye. Bye.